This is Take Flight with Mark Whittle. Welcome to Take Flight. I'm Mark Whittle, former city worker turned performance coach. And this is your place for inspiration and education on ways to optimise your performance and find your purpose. Big praise. You know, now we're recovering as a better athlete with a better jab and a better left hook than ever. It was the, the best feeling in my life. Eight minutes before that was the most scared I've ever been in my life. You've got to be, want to be the best, not just the best in your gym, not the best in the country, the best in the world. The environment we've got here at Loughborough and the gym we've got in there with those four fighters, myself, Richard Rappaport, Kieran Malloy, and Anthony Joshua, all different shapes and sizes, but very competitive. For times where I think, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm in there over my head. You, you look to your left, look to your right. If you've got good people there, you're in a nice place. We are faking it till you make it in that place where we are still trying to prove ourselves a little bit of course you have to until you get to the top what is the top like i say again people will say never gonna happen mate you're crazy well allow me to dream allow me to dream because that's what makes me wake up in the morning and work hard cabin crew passengers prepare for takeoff welcome to the take flight podcast hello <laughs> <laughs> mate we're here in uh Loughborough university campus or as you said, your campus. <laughs> <laughs> mate, it's amazing. Sat in the dugout just by the rugby pitch. Beautiful day for it as well, mate. I've been really looking forward to speaking with you, so thanks for doing it. No worries, man. Anywhere I go is my home. Do you know what I mean? I just, I haven't got the mullet to fit in. I don't have the hangovers like everyone else, but um, yeah, it's a lovely place, you know. What an environment. I feel lucky to be here. You just look about, it's clean. You know, it's, it's perfect for training. It's in good location for me, you know, for home and stuff. And yeah, it's good to be here. It's all smiles and a lot of driven people around. Yeah, and you've been training this morning once already, right? Yeah, done one session and then yeah. one more this afternoon. Yeah. What are you training for at the minute? At the minute, it's sort of just ticking over. Um, as people might know, I've had the hand injury. So, you know, since the day I did the injury, it was uh, I've been injured before and I've gone into dark places when I've been injured before. I've put a load of weight on. My mental state's gone crazy. So this time, you know... It was time to act more professional now um, and being in this environment definitely helped that. Um, having Angel, you know, as the coach and Chris, the SNC coach and just all the support from the guys at Loughborough, it's been a different sort of injury. Um, this I feel like I've got better as an athlete and better as a boxer over the last eight weeks since the post-operation where usually, you know, I might have gone the other way. Hmm. That's huge. So many people that I either work with as clients or I've spoken to on the podcast talk about how injuries set them back or, you know, they have periods of depression and other experiences like that. Like, what did it used to be like then and what did you do differently this time to make it better? I think, like, you know, I had a bad hamstring injury in 2017. After that, to be honest, I didn't think I'd get back to the heights I was hitting. And to be fair, I probably, it probably took me a long time to get to get back to anywhere near that. And just probably, I grew up a little bit, you know, mentality-wise. Now this is professional. This is this is your life. The word professional boxing gets overused a lot, um, but it's in the title, professional. That's what you have to be. And it, you know, this environment has allowed me. Not that I wasn't before, but I'm definitely a better professional now than than I would have been a few years ago. Mainly because I've realised there's, there's consequences for your actions. So you know, if you're not living the life right, you're not doing the right things, then ultimately it's gonna it's gonna affect me down the line or even you know now and and my performance in the ring and that's definitely what i don't want mm. that's really interesting mate so the the shift then from being amateur to, to professional has made you shift the way that you view injuries as well and your whole behavior and i suppose did you not train here then before when you 
No, I tried. I trained in Sheffield at the Institute of Sport with Team GB, and that was that was unbelievable. But I think I'll be open and admit it. I took it for granted a bit. If I was injured, I'd have a physio on on me twenty four seven. I'd have people watching over me twenty four seven, and it was free. You know, now you're in the big boy world of a professional boxing. You get injured. You get any operation, you gotta pay for that. Unless you're covered, you gotta, you know, you gotta find your physio, you gotta find your rehab. So I was very fortunate as an amateur to represent GB and to be part of that setup where everything was taken care of by the best of the best people. Luckily enough, all that time I did spend on that system wasn't wasted because I was learning. I was picking up contacts all the time. So I know what to do and what not to do now in an injury situation. When this happened, Luckily, I made the connections and I have good people that, you know, have got a lot of time for me that I could call upon, which I did, and they put me in the right direction. Obviously, I got I got my hands sorted very quickly and, um, you know, now we're recovering as a better athlete with a better jab and a better a better left hook than ever because <laughs> we've had time to, to practice on it and we had time to, to eat a load of food, good food, and lift a lot of weights and get really strong, which I feel is needed for the pros. Mm. So interesting, man. I mean, how, how mad is it that, Really, the way you explain that is that in a lot of sports, what you explained with amateur, with the free physios and the whole setup you had there, that's what a lot of the other pro sports are like. And then in the pro sport of boxing, you're paying for a lot of that yourself. So more responsibility on your shoulders. That's what a lot of the amateur sports are like. I wonder why like a lot of the boxers I speak to or work with are very humble, very down to earth, always really nice people, I, I find, generally speaking. I wonder whether that's why. We're just nice to people because we're trying to get stuff for free off people. <laughs> that, that's it. I mean, you know, what I mean? no, not really. Not really. We're nice people. You know, nine nine out of ten boxers, nice people from humble beginnings, very much like myself. And I think, like like you do say, you know, the the difference is between the the pro side and and the amateur side is. Well, I had a big organisation. I had the National Lottery and UK Sport looking after me and a great team around me. I've got a great team now, but that's funded by me. And then, like I say, you know, you have other things to pay for. I've just brought a house, and you know, so I've got a mortgage now. My first, my first house. I've got, I've got a young family, which you know, I, I do my best to look after as well, financially and everything like that. So, you know, you, you got to watch the pennies and stuff. But at the same time, the most important thing is, is my health and and being one hundred percent ready to box. So, you know, if I have to invest into myself, then it, it's it's one of them things. You know, no one likes spending money, but. If I'm going to spend it on anyone in a selfish way, which I have to be as a fighter, if it's on me getting better and 100%, then I'll, I'll invest everything I have into, into making it happen because in the long run, it's me that, it's me that's making the bread. It's me that's, that's, that's wanting titles. It's me that's wanting to, to be a, on the cornflake boxes and stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's, that's, that's me who wants to do that. The only way I can do that is through boxing. Talking to you guys, you know, being on Sky Sports and all that is great, but the top of what means my boxing comes first and it has to. So me being fully functioning as an athlete is the most important thing. Priorities. So where did it all start? I mean, you've got such a fascinating story. Doing the research was amazing. I had a lot of fun reading about, you know, the, the security, being on the security at these boxing events and then being the fan as well. And then now you're the, the man in the middle of the ring. But like, where did it start? If we go back to like your childhood, where would you, were you introduced to boxing? Yeah, before that, I'm from Burton-on-Trent, you know, pe people want to Google that. It's just a small town. We make beer, and that's about it. We've got Burton, I'll be in the Brewers. Mm -hmm. But yeah, humble beginnings with good people. Low, like, I know everyone from where I live, which is a good thing. I knew everyone for years before before the boxing. You know, my family, they get a bar, we go to the pubs, this and that. And boxing just sort of 
it was the only sport that I, I tried every sport before boxing, but I wasn't very good. I was I was I was young. I was overweight, little chubby kid. But I was a trier, but I just wasn't very good at anything. And I just and I see everyone else get praised for for things and people win trophies and medals. At the football presentation, I was the kid that always got the uh, you know the, the the best teammate award. I was never getting top goal scorer or player of the season. It was never going to happen. I was player's player or something like that. With boxing, once we started going to the boxing club uh, with a few of my friends, it was the first time. It was the f- I was the first confidence boost in my life because I was the best. Out of the five friends I went with, two weeks later, I was still there. No one else was there because I was the best at it. So I was no way I was leaving that situation. Confidence grew from the boxing club. I became the person I am today. You know what I mean? I really found myself. I found a home. I found somewhere that I fit in. And it, and it was just such a good feeling that, you know, I was never going to let that go. Do you remember the time you first walked into a boxing club? Yeah, yeah, I remember it well. Um, Wharf Road Boxing Club, Burton Amateur Boxing Club. It was down Wharf Road. It was the smell, the the different characters in there. I can remember there was a big heavy sandbag on the left-hand side when you walk in. I can remember a guy absolutely nailing it, you know, smashing the hell out of it. And there was dust coming, you know, from the roof because it was that heavy. And then there's only about five or six bags in there, little ring. And I can remember all these people that, I'm, that I can remember now, they're like, they're still lo- in local in the area. Not many of them box anymore. I don't think any of them. And a couple of them aren't, aren't even with us anymore, you know. But I can remember certain people, um, faces, Oliver O'Toole, you know, God rest his soul, passed away. Connor Upton, another one, passed away. Um, Carl Groombridge, Tom Shaw, Sam O'Brien, John Joe Finnegan, Jason Allen. These These names are like local area but they were really good at the time you know what I mean and these were unbelievable fighters I can remember it being really dusty and at the tunnel at the end you know we didn't have mats they'd stripped an old coach down 52 seater coach and they got the um, the seat so that's what he did he sit ups on at the end <laughs> I can remember that yeah it was just, just one of them real original rugged boxing clubs which there are not too many of them about no more. You know, we 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 moved from there eventually to a to a new club, and it just wasn't the same. It lost the authenticity. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't 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 the spit and sawdust which which made so many good fighters. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about how being good at that was what led you to start to get that confidence boost. I was the same. Football was my sport. I was the striker. I scored goals. I I felt good when I was out there. And yeah, it's an ego boost. But I think as a kid, you need that, right? Where else are you going to get it unless you've got natural academics which fit into the box of the schooling system? I think sport, and again, we're both saying we've got a young family, we've got young kids. I'm desperate to get my little girl into sport because I don't know who I would be without it. I mean, 100%. You know, now especially... You can walk past like you know this isn't it's not nice to say it, but I'll, I'll say it on camera. You hear some awful tragedies now about young kids, you know, wanting to take their lives and being in mental states and in bad places. And you know what? Like, not everyone's sporty. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you have to sport or get everyone out of that because it won't. But there's something for some for someone to get out of that. Do you know what I mean? There's there's someone's for for me and for you it was sport. For someone else, it could be acting, it could be singing, it could be anything. You need to find your thing. Do you know what I mean? And smile when I enjoy what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? I love boxing so much, and still to this day, if I'm not watching boxing, I'm doing boxing. If I'm not doing boxing, I'm watching boxing. Now, if, if I'm not doing any of them, I'm, I'm commentating. If it's literally my life, do you know what I mean? And I couldn't think of a better thing. You know, like the, the things that it's taught me and and the places it's took me. 
boxing's been really good to me. You know, no matter what happens going forward, already boxing has been good to me. And I feel like it's it's made Fraser Clark into the person he is today. Mm, yeah. Amazing, mate. What a great thing to be able to get from the sport. I mean, was there a point where, you know, you're training in that dusty old gym, you got all these people that you're aspiring to be like, where you realise, do you know what, I could really make a career of this or I know you said you went in you were, you were better than everybody already so it sounds like there's some natural talent already but was there like a tipping point when you're like do you know what this could be for me long term um, I wouldn't say in that gym because in that gym even though I was better than the group of lads that I went with I was still the worst in the, in the whole gym do you know what I mean I was the most unfittest I couldn't do a press up I couldn't do a sit up I'd come last on all the runs I'd be tired before everyone else but I knew I was better at that than I definitely was at football Definitely was at rugby. Definitely was at, at athletics. So I knew there was something, even if no one told me, I knew I was doing okay. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't great, but I was doing okay. And I think the the turning point was probably my first fight, to be honest. Might have been Shrewsbury, I think. Everyone, you know, local people were excited to come. Um, I think I took like an 18-seater minibus there. You know, all the locals, the lads, and the lads from the pub and whatnot. Come to watch me, it was probably 13, 14, and... After I won that fight, it was the feeling that got me. Do you know what I mean? I don't want that to ever go. That that feeling was the best feeling, probably still to this day, that, I, that I've ever had. What did it feel like? Just winning a fight. I think I'm not advocating fighting to anyone unless it's boxing or, or some kind of combat sport, but there's some feeling as a macho man of beating another man in a, in a, in a fair fight. This, this is some, it's a crazy feeling. Do you know what I mean? Uh, euphoria, sort of like, it's a macho thing. You know, for guys, it always has been. You know, growing up, even even in school, you want to fight, you want to win, you're the cock of the school. But when you're doing it fair play and there's a crowd there, everyone's different. But for me, it's the ultimate. I think what I suppose what I attribute that to, firstly, there's a natural instinct that's part of our DNA, which is to fucking fight and survive and to, to win and to be the top. Right, That's one part of it, which we've all got in us. Boxing allows you to do that in a within the rules, like you said, you know, in fair play. The other side of it, I think, as well, is and I'd be interested to know how you felt about it, but when you face a deep fear, something that is scary, like going into the ring for the first time and overcome that and win and get the success at the other side, we're just flooded with so many of those chemicals that make us feel unbelievable. Oh, literally, emotions all over the place. And like you say, mm. yeah, it was the, the best feeling of my life, but uh, what would have been 4-2, so eight minutes before that, was the most scared I've ever been in my life. Before I got in the ring, was the most scared I've ever been, the most nervous I've ever been. So that roller coaster of emotion to go from being terrified to then having the best feeling, it, it's like it's like a drug that you you can't buy. You know that that is some buzz. The good thing is, and the reason I'm still in the sport now, I still get the same buzz now. I still get the same nerves, which I control a little bit better now as time goes on, experience and age, control them a little bit better. I still get them nerves. But then there's the getting your hand raised, you know, and as the years have gone gone by, it's gone from being in front of 10 people to 100 people to a couple of hundred to last time being in front of 25,000. That, that's something, you know, you, you can't buy that. Do you know what's wild though as well? I, I think about this a lot and this is part of the take flight theme of this, you know, this leap of faith. Mm. When we feel the fear that you spoke about before the first fight, and I imagine you still get before any fight unless that goes down, but when we have that sliding door moment almost, isn't it? It's like, will I, won't I? And if, if you if you had listened to that fear and not done it, there'd be no Fraser Clark as we know him today. 
But you push through that and you, and you got that feeling on the first fight, which gave you another message to keep going. And now you've gone on to do all the things that you've done. It's easy to say, but I think for me, it's sort of, you do get them moments like, right, take me away. I'm not going to fight. I go, but then I've, I'm quite good at it in my head, especially when it comes to fighting, probably not other things. I'm terrified of like roller coasters. Mm -hmm. I'm terrified of some heights and I couldn't go and jump off something really high into water like you see some mad people doing. Yeah. But then when it comes to fighting, I've got that switch that says, forget it, J you know, just do it. Because it just comes so natural to me. Yeah. I don't know why I'm like that, but there is a switch in my head that just says, you're fighting. It's the most dangerous position you could be in, the most dangerous place. It's where I feel most at home. It's where I feel most comfortable using my fist and throwing it with someone else mm. even when they're throwing them back yeah. I'm in control I'm in full control huh. full control of what your reaction full, full control of of looking after myself full control of getting that winning feeling which I love that's down to me team sports not for me it's not you're not in control mm. football you need 10 other people to play well mm. I'm in control it's me and one other person if he's better than me he's going to beat me if he has a good day, he's going to beat me. If I have a bad day, he's going to win. I'm in control of that. That's down to me. <laughs> Mate, I love it. What do you do in those moments when the fear crops up? Like when, you know, say you're in the change room, is there like a pre-fight routine? Is there anything specific that you like to maintain like, and do before every fight? I like to remind myself of, you know, the, the people I've fought already, the people I've trained with, the hard work I've done, that Mila and Trent will be watching at home or they're going to watch it one day that my dad would be ringside. I like to make my dad proud. Um, if I didn't give it my all, it wouldn't do that. And that, so that's something that's a big push for me, my dad, and my granddad, or my whole family, but mainly my dad, because, you know, there's, there's that father-son sort of macho thing. Things can change. In, in the changing rooms, some people like the, the speaker on, like it being really loud. I like that for a little bit. Then sometimes I can go to relaxing. I can have silence. I can switch it up, do you know what I mean? And... Like I say, you know, with changing rooms, I've I've been in massive changing rooms with loads of space. I've been in little, small changing rooms with, with no space. I don't plan for anything. I just like to go on reaction. You know, whatever's going to happen will happen. More like instinct, intuition. In instinct, definitely. Well, I heard once that before a fight, you were, you had a little Buddha and you were passing a Buddha around the changing room, right? Is, it, is this true? Yeah, that's right. That was that was my mom. She passed it me before. I think it was the ABA final when I boxed Joe Joyce. The whole weekend, because I was fighting three times a weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So she passed to me and she said, oh, I'll take this with this, good luck. And I didn't really believe in none of that, but it made her happy, so I took it. Anyway, I never never took it anywhere again because I lost the final. <laughs> <laughs> I got stopped. So after that, after that, I got rid of the Buddha. Um, <laughs> it was a great fight, yeah, though. Yeah, it was, good, it was a good fight. Um, yeah. it, I've had a lot of good comments about it. I fight always. It's got what will be, will be. You know, it's down yeah. to me, like I say. I don't have many, many rituals or nothing like that. I probably do, you know, subconsciously. I do a few things. Yeah. But fight week, I need to do a few walks. I need to be with good people. Not too many people, just the right people. Mm. I can't have my family about, like, my missus and my mum, because they're, they're too, it's too loving, it's too, like, nice. Huh. I need my boys with me, you know, like... The Warriors. Yeah, I need the Warriors. That's it. That's yeah. it. The squad that know... If, they, if they're going to see me bleeding... They're gonna push me on. They're mm. not gonna cry. They're not gonna. They're not gonna be scared. Uh, they're gonna egg me on even more. Do you know what I mean? Because like they're getting in, in touch with like the masculine. Yeah, the masculine yeah. side has to come out, and you know, people people might be upset about me saying that, but it's a real thing. I'm I'm, I'm a proper man's man. 
I need my boys. They're not. They're not afraid of violence. They're not worried about violence. And I'm not worried about violence. What I do, yeah. Let's 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 just get down to it. Let's get it going. You know what so I mean? Let's get it cracking. It's so interesting, man. That's really fascinating to hear, and it makes complete sense, right? You're tapping into that certain energy that prepares you for going to war, essentially, right? Hundred percent. You mentioned Joe Joyce there, right? In the ABA finals, that was an, an unbelievable fight. He was one of the people who. I suppose, in a way, stood in your way for the Olympics, mm -hmm. along with Anthony Joshua. And you went on an incredibly long journey to get yourself to the Olympics eventually. What, what was it like when you finally got there? I would honestly say it was challenging. I was definitely the best of me came trying to challenge them. Yeah. That was the best version of myself, 100%, trying to catch them. Both of them were 10 metres ahead of me on the running track. Eventually, with nine nine meters, eight, seven, six, five, and then I would always be close to him, but I couldn't close that last meter. Do you know what I mean? And the same with the boxing, really. Like Joshua, probably a different story because he was already ahead of me, so and he he, he was just smashing through the divisions. But with Joe, I was literally, I can remember I went on a streak. I think I won about fifteen fights in a row, probably five gold medals, beat people that had beat him. So I felt like I was closing the gap. But as I was winning, he was winning. So it was never really closing. It was, it was just both pushing each other, do you know what I mean? But that was definitely the best I'd been. I found it actually more difficult. Once Joe left the squad and I was the number one super heavyweight, I wasn't chasing anyone. I found it very difficult. And, and I feel like the number two at the time would have been Solomon uh, Dakaris. And I feel like he was closing the gap on me because I probably took my foot off the gas. You know, self-admittedly, I wasn't chasing anyone. Um, I probably got a little bit lazy thinking, you know, I've, I've worked all these years to be number one, now I'm here, when really I hadn't done nothing. Man, that's amazing. Right, for everyone who's got competition, be grateful for that competition. Oh, competition's great, you know, you yeah. need it. And like, as a professional now, the, the environment we've got here at Loughborough and the gym we've got in there, with there's four fighters, myself, Richard Rappaport, Kieran Malloy, and Anthony Joshua. He's in there now, AJ, isn't he? AJ's training? in there yeah. now, yeah. So all different weights, all different shapes and sizes but very competitive. Yeah. I walk around there sometimes and I say to the coach, the coach will have a bit of banner and I say to the coach, I'm the best fighter in your gym and he'll tell the other fighters, <laughs> he'll tell them and he says, well, prove it, you know, time will tell. I say, listen, give me time and I'll prove it to you. But I know for a fact they're thinking, shut up, Fraser, I'm the best fighter. But that's how, that's how it is, that's how it should be. Yeah. You've got to be, want to be the best, not just the best in your gym, not the best in the country, the best in the world. That's the way, that's the way I've always wanted to think and, I know I have a lot of doubters, you know, I, I, I sometimes probably shouldn't, I sometimes do read the comments on, on videos, YouTube, mm -hmm. Instagram, that fuels me, believe me, it fuels me, I'm good at proving people wrong, and uh, time will tell, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. I was thinking about this this morning, funnily enough, because I've got a few trolls on my Instagram, and... Uh, at first I reacted. I've had a month off it as well, so I wasn't, I'd forgotten. You had a little break. I had a little yeah, break. It's good, yeah, it's good, needed. Yeah, so I forgot that there was people out there that want to get in mm. on the comments, but it just like, I know instinctively we all want to be heard as humans, right? Mm. Some of us are more courageous and all stand up and show our face and, and show our voice, share our voice. And some of us won't, they'll do it in a, a slightly more fearful way. And that's usually like in comments, isn't it? And mm. so they can't be seen. But it comes from the same place. But it's just a quote that I was thinking about this morning, which stops me thinking about, like worrying about it, basically, which was, the lion doesn't turn his back when the small dog barks. Yeah, it's true. It's true. At the same time, I just do feel like sometimes, I was in traffic this morning. 
Sky have tagged me in something, um, me with Lennox Lewis and me with Larry Holmes. And someone's commented on there saying, Sky are mad, they're always pushing this hype job. And it, you know what, it, it literally doesn't affect my day. But I'm thinking, I'm not having it, mate. I've looked on your profile. You've got seven pictures of your 07 bright yellow sea out and you called it Bumblebee. You're a, you're, you're a virgin, mate. Do you know what I mean? You're an idiot. So don't, and, 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 I, and I told him, I wrote back to him. I probably shouldn't, yeah. But I just, it's just, that's just that's me as a person. Do you know what I mean? If you give me, I'm not going to, I'm not going to reply to every comment. But if I do see your comment and it stands out, believe me, you will get back what you, what you give. You'll, you'll, you'll receive what you give. And, that, and then, remember, boxing is a small world. It's a small, small world. So half of these trolls are at shows. Mm. And I've got a very good eye for a face so <laughs> if I do see you I will pull you up on it and do you know what Like, I don't like people that sit behind computers and give hard working people like myself that are just trying to better themselves better my family mm. and they give us grief because we're being praised by other people do me a favour mate do me a favour what have you ever done in your life do you know what I mean what have you ever done so you can criticise me. I'm not perfect. Look, I'm 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 fat. I'm not got a six pack. I'm not the best fighter in the world. But I'm having a go. So leave it, leave it, leave off, man. Do you know what I'm saying? Mate, I hear you 100. percent It's really nice to hear you say that because really you're being vulnerable. Because it's easy for me to sit here and go like you know say the quote and all that. But I'm I'm still being honest that I reacted initially. Yeah, of course, because you looked at the quote. Yeah, of course. But I think like even though I'm saying again there, it's like the brave person shows his face and you know shares his voice. It's hard to do that, and we still have doubt when we do that. The same way that you're training every day and you're stepping in the ring, it's still there's still doubt going on. So then, when someone says it, it's like, oh fuck off, a little mate. bit more, yeah, yeah, a little bit more. Give it, you know, come on, keep trying to push me down, push yeah. me down. Because at times in that gym and, and in boxing, I don't feel great myself. Mm. You know, there's a lot, a lot of people banking on me to go and do exceptional things, yeah. and it, it comes with pressure. So sometimes that pressure does get to you, and. Yeah. You know, maybe sometimes I have to blag it a bit. Mm. I, one thing I've always said, I fake it before you make it. Sometimes I have to do that. Mm. I've not made it yet. I've not done nothing yet. Yeah. You know, I'm in a new game. I'm in the professional game. It's going to take me time. But there's times I believe in myself. There's times where I think, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm in there over my head. These things are going to happen. It's about realising that these times are going to happen. Luckily enough, I've got a great family. I've got a great coaching team. I've got a great management team people to pull me up so when the, when the chips are down you, you look to your left look to your right if you've got good people there you're in a nice place so I train in a, a really great boxing gym in Bedford got a great boxing coach and, and we talk a lot and because boxing for me is just such a great metaphor for life mm -hmm. and you know we'll talk about things all the time and I, I was asking the guy who runs it yes he's a boxer but he's also a black belt with like three down black belt in some martial arts and I was asking what would happen if someone started on him what would happen if someone kicked off at him in the, in the street and he, my coach was just like, he'd give him his phone and wallet. He'd just give it to him because he's got nothing to prove. Whereas you and I are at the stage in our careers where we we are faking it till you make it in that place where we are still trying to prove ourselves a little bit. Of course, you have to until you get to the top. So that's that feeling, isn't it? Of like, if someone pulls you up, it's like, you still feel like you have to prove it to everyone. And that's where social media is difficult because everyone can have an opinion. Yeah, 100%. We have to separate. Who, who do I listen to and who do I not? which is a hard thing to do. Anthony Joshua, he's in that gym. You, you wouldn't know he's been a two-time world champion. Trains like he's never won anything. Trains like he's, trains like he's the last time he's going he's gonna to be able to fight. Hmm. So what, what is the top? Tyson Fury still works. Like he's a heavyweight champion now, you know, got all the marbles and whatnot. So what is the top? He's, he's still, still out to work his socks off. He's retiring now. I seen him on a yacht the other day, you know, with a big cigar. Fair play to him. So 
what is the top? Do we know our capabilities? How far we're going to go? Who knows? You know, what is the best of the best? I don't know. I don't want to know. I want to find out eventually. But it's going to take me some time. I love that, mate. It's so hard to answer that question, though, because you hope that your top is just as far as you can go. But like you said, you don't know what it is until you try. Well, how would you define it for yourself now, then, if you could build a picture? Like, what is your, what's the top of your mountain? Changing all the time. But for me, success would be stability for my children, first and foremost. That's, that's success for me. Stability with with a, with a father and a mother that, that love each other. They've done enough hard work in their life to give their kids a nice life. But in boxing terms, I think you have to go for all the marbles. You know, a unified heavyweight champion. And like I say again, people will say, never going to happen, mate, you're crazy. Well, allow me to dream because that's what makes me wake up in the morning and work hard. No one can sit here and say to me, you, sh you shouldn't say that because it's unrealistic. To some people maybe, but if I don't believe that, then I'm not going to turn up at this place and work hard. Yeah. So I have to believe, I have to believe that. I have to be mad. They say about, you know, people, geniuses and stuff being mad. You have to be mad. If you're a boxer and you want anything out of this career, you have to be a bit crazy. You can't, you can't have all your marbles. No way. You've got to be a lunatic. People must look at me and I think, is he serious? I'm 100% serious. Believe me. I can feel it. I can feel it. Well, so what happens if you don't get that? Then you you don't give hundred percent. You give you give fifty percent. And if and if you give fifty percent, what's the point? Someone else might as well come and come and take over. Do you know what I mean? Fifty percent effort gives fifty percent results. Simple as that. We talk a little bit more about it. You mentioned having your dad ringside and how important it is for you to make your dad proud of you. Mm -hmm. Where where did that start? Other than the natural thing that we all have to make our parents proud, is there anything specific that makes that more important for you? I think just my dad as a person, you know, growing up, your dad, my dad was was a superhero. He used to put his bicep up and I used to think, oh my God, he's got a bowling ball in there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He's from a tough place, from Clark, Clark Lane, uh, Islington, Jamaica. Tough, tough race of people, tough, tough family, the Clarks, you know. I can remember boxing in the World Series of Boxing as an amateur. Put down on my ass. Uh, the first person I looked to out the ring was my dad. And he's looking at me got the experience, stood on my knee till, till the eight count, got up. That's it, went on and won the fight. If my dad wasn't there, I'd, I don't know if I'd have got up. Maybe I, maybe I would have, but who knows? But I know that that look told me, fix up Fraser, don't take that shot again and get up. Huh. My dad, yeah, I got ultimate respect for him as a, just as a, as a man, but as a, as a fighting man, you know. You hear the stories, you know, oh, my, your dad Ambrose, you know, when he was younger, he was tough, he was this and that, he was a good guy. I know it's tough and I feel that toughness inside of me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'm my brother. So I know that my dad's, you know, he's a real driving force for me. There's a lot of power in knowing where you come from in there. There's a lot of power in that. 100%, you know, he's told me where he's come from. I've been there and seen where he's come from. So I know he had to be tough. And uh, I've had a lot better life, you know, I've had a lot nicer upbringing and not a lot nicer things, a lot more luxuries. Um, but I don't take that for granted, you know, I don't I believe in, the, the bloodline I've got is a strong one. Mm. You know, the Clarks, it's a, it's a strong bloodline. I know that 100%. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Hux. Hux is a health company created to inspire you to find your daily edge. I've been trying Hux for the last few months and it's become my trusted health supplement of choice. And I love that its range of products can 
and for me should be used every day from wake until sleep. Hux consists of high quality potent supplements across four categories. Their superfood blend provides you with 17 superfoods, including vitamin A, B, C and D, and a hit of plant protein. The hydration tablets hydrate you quickly in unbelievably good flavors. Nootropics support those focus periods and long-term brain health. And finally, Hux's sleep products with award-winning ingredients like Levagen to support your recovery through deeper, more restorative sleep. I've been using superfood and hydration for the last few months and have noticed a drastic improvement in sustained energy and my sleep. In fact, having met the team, tried the products and seen the vision, I decided to become an early stage investor myself and I'm so excited to be a part of this journey. You'll be seeing loads more from Hux and I can't wait to see and hear from people being supported by the products. To get involved, visit huxhealth.com or at huxhealth on all socials and use the code TF20 for 20% off all products, including their subscription. Thanks guys, I hope you enjoy. Yeah, amazing mate. I know you say it's been an easy lifetime, but you've had some scuffles as well outside of the ring. Like I can see your neck, the scar, because you, you got in an altercation where you were stabbed three times. Mm. What when, when was that and what did that end that, up teaching you about that, yourself? That was 2016. That was December. Um, Mila was born on December the 8th, my daughter, first, first child. She'd been a couple of weeks old. And like I said, being from a, a brewing town, it's just, you, can't, you see a group of lads out, not, you know, on, on the weekend. What are you doing? Oh, wetting the baby. That's such a baby. When you're brought up in the culture, it's what you do. Don't get me wrong, I know, I know about moderation now, and that's not something that happens all the time. But at that time there, Mila was a couple of weeks old. My dad's got a little shed at the bottom of the garden full of whiskey and rum and whatnot. So I had a few of the lads around, went down and there, was hitting the drink hard. Went out, pints and whatnot. Went out into a club that I've been to a million times in Burton. Like I say, got into an altercation, which I thought was an altercation, which it's not the first one I've had in my life. You know, I've been since since probably sixteen, seventeen. I've been getting altercations in different different clubs and pubs and Burton, Derby, surrounding areas. It just happens. It's part of growing up. I think. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I thought it was an altercation. I thought it was a fist fight. I think I knocked someone's drink drink out of their hand. I, I probably walking around puffing my chest out a bit, a bit of an ego with myself at the time. Just, just being young and stupid, and then I got into a fight. Like I say, I think, I think about three or four people. I can remember, I can remember throwing a few punches, caught a couple of them. I think I put a couple over. I got glassed during the like the melee, and I just thought nothing of it. You know, I walked out of a door, double door, to go and get my friends because I thought, you know what, like it's on. Do you know I mean? Get my friends, we'll come down, we'll do it properly. I can remember seeing one of my sister's friends, and she looked at me and she screamed. She screamed. I said, "What's up?" I can remember as I got closer to her, like there's blood on her and it's coming from my neck. I thought, oh God, do you know what I mean? Like, what's going on? Obviously, the work, people are running around now screaming and whatnot. My friends have come and seen me. The doormen have come and seen me. But obviously, I'm intoxicated. I'm angry. I'm going I'm going bonkers. I'm wanting to, you know, wanting to lash out at anyone that's moving. I'm, I'm just going crazy. Then I thought of going a bit like Eddie and stuff. And then I realised... Never mind the neck, it was my leg was pouring, my jeans were soaked. Um, yeah, they got me twice in the arse cheek. A really bad time. Not not for me, for, for my family. There's a few things going on in my personal life as well at that time, which was just sending me in, in mad direction of doing crazy things. Yeah, seeing seeing my mum and dad when I was on a hospital bed going bananas. My mum my crying, my dad, 
my dad crying, pinning me down because I was that, I was that angry. I was being abusive to to the nurses, to everyone. My brother was there. Twenty of the boys, you know, come down. The hospital's been taken over. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm on the bed going crazy. And anyway, they've they've done what they needed to do to me. They've looked after me, you know, and I can never. I still see, you know, one of the uh, one of the nurses now um, is, a, is a guy, uh, Harry, I think his name is, Harry Bird. I still see him now and then. And I always just give him a look of like, thank you and a nod because I had to go and apologise a couple of days later because of the way I was acting. But that, that's the thing, you know, when, you, when alcohol's involved, people don't become themselves, people become crazy people. And I was acting absolutely bonkers, talking about doing crazy things. And it was just a sad time, you know. I, I was so gutted that the main thing that was going through my head the whole time was my daughter's literally two weeks old. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. I just know there was a lot of people on me. My dad was holding me down by by my shoulders. There's someone at my neck. There's some people at my leg. It's scary. Blood everywhere. Covered him. It was scary. Did they save your life then? Was it ever that close? Or I think if you look at my neck, I think if it could have been like an inch the other way, then I probably, probably would have been a goner. Very, one of the lucky ones. You know, one of the lucky people. And I think this is a f the first time I'll probably say this ever on camera. I forgive the people that did it, you know. I do now. I forgive them. And I, I know I know who did it. I know the people that did it. And I hope it just teaches them that that's never the way. Do you know what I mean? Like... I've got. I don't hold no grudges now. Do you know what I mean? I'm lucky. I've I've got to see my daughter grow up. I had another beautiful child, my son, and I lived on, gone and lived life. But I forgive these people. I just don't want them to do it again. Because I just see it everywhere now. You know, on the news, I see it. I've seen it locally. Like I said, I've lost, lost other friends. I've lost friends to the same thing. I was, I was lucky. I got three times. One of one of my good friends he got he got he got one shot in the chest and he's dead. Yeah, yeah, and then. Another two, the two guys I mentioned earlier from our boxing club, Oliver O'Toole, um, Connor, Connor Upton, both, both died to being stabbed in my little old town of Burton on Trent. So you know, it's, it's, it's something that I don't know. I don't know what I can do. It's something I definitely want to push more. I can't get in the brains of some of these these mad people. You know, at the minute, like I live in a small. Look at this; it's beautiful here. You know, you you'd like to think that knife crime don't go on here, but it does. It's this is Loughborough. Where I live, Swaddling Coat, uh, last year, young kid, school kid, man, he got stabbed like 12 times. This is craziness. And I can't, these words won't do won't do the situation justice, but it's, it's got to stop. I don't know what people are doing, what people are thinking, you know, taking a knife out for protection. What is the worst that two fists are going to do to you? What point are you trying to prove by shanking someone up? Or wetting someone up. I don't get it. It like it's, it's just craziness. Remember, I, we got young kids. Remember, they're, they're growing up and the problem ain't getting better. It needs to do a full U-turn. You know, for me to be happy to let my son go out and socialise and my daughter out and socialise, the world needs to do a full U-turn, which at the minute don't see, it seems to be going down the wrong way. I don't know what we can do, man. I couldn't agree more, man. Thanks for sharing a story and what an amazing lesson for you, though. And actually forgiving the people who did it to you as well. Yeah, is, that's the first, that first time I said that. But, you know, like I say, I've moved on. And just one more thing about that. You know what I, what I did learn from this? And I can remember this was from um, someone who's guided me a lot, you know, from my career, boxing career, Rob McCracken. Mm. He said to me, you need to be more selective about where you go and where you socialise. And you know what? He was dead right. I'm not saying we shouldn't have to fear about anywhere we go, but I'm just this is just to anyone... 
you know, young guys, girls going out, just think about where you go, look around, have your wits about you and know the environment. You're not missing out on nothing because there's other places to go. There's nice places to go with nice people in. You can put yourself in some bad situations. That night there, I didn't think I did, but now looking back, that was a shithole. I'd never go there again. Why, why was I there? I was there because I didn't care because I was young and I was crazy and I was full of drink. Be selective about who you go, where you go. Be selective about who you roll with and look around, keep your wits about you always because there's some mad people out there that consequences and fear, it isn't, they don't, they don't worry about consequences and them dangerous people, you see them? They're, they're the scary ones. Mate, I, that's amazing. Like, environment says so much, right, about who the people are going to be there. There's also times in life where things are completely coincidental, right? And there's an insane story of you witnessing firsthand the terrorist attack in London. Mate, I was on the bridge that same day, you know, I was about an hour after it happened. I'd been on the bridge. I've been at, I don't know if you know the grind, the coffee shop. Yeah, 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 yeah I'd yeah. been in there that, and then I walked over the bridge. An hour later, I'm in like further towards Carnaby Street and I was on my phone. I was like, oh my God, I was literally there. But you were there as it happened. Honest to God, it was like, this story here, people must think I'm just full of stories and, and I'm just a very unlucky person. <laughs> but it was, it was like, the more I look back on it, I, you can't believe it. So for context, it's the London terrorist attack, it's right? It's the London terrorist attack. So we're boxing a thing called the World Series of Boxing in London, which is a bit more like a professional side of things. So you have a day before weigh-in and you have a press conference, as happens to be at the House of Parliament. And we're doing a bit of a charity work down there on the day. It's lovely, you know, we're at London Bridge first, then we've gone into the House of Parliament, but... We've done, and we've, we've, uh, we're talking to, you know, like a um, a youth club sort of thing, talking to some of the, the guys and the girls, and it's finished, and then we're going to go back, and we're going to have Nando's the day before the fight. You know, all the lads have been making weight, struggling. They're looking forward to having some nice food because they've been making weight. I'm all right because I don't have to make weight, so I'm just going to have a big full chicken anyway. We're walking back through the, uh, the House of Parliament. Me, Callum French, Pat McCormick, we walked outside, and there's a little rail in front of us, Probably from here, 100 metres away, over there where, where that fence is, there's, there's a fence with big conifer trees. I heard a smash. I thought, oh, car crash. And a scream, oh, that's quite bad. Not too bad. We're in London, there's people everywhere. Not too bad. And then I've then probably 50 metres to the left of me is the gate. I've seen people running past the gate. But I thought, you know what, we're at London Bridge. I didn't think nothing too, too mad was happening. There's a car crash in London all the time. There's people running about, people in the rush all the time. It was only when police officers started running, like running, running and screaming. I thought something not right here. But, but then again, there's myself, Callum French, Pat McCormack, three boxers. If you don't know... No insults of boxers, but there's not a lot going on with all of us. You know, we, we don't probably don't sense things as quick as everyone else. Not bothered about anything. We've been all over the world, seen loads of crazy things. We've been in all different countries. We carry on walking towards the gate. Out of nowhere, this geezer comes around the corner with two, and I can describe it as Rambo-style knives, and he's tangled up with a police officer. Two knives, both hands, straight into the police officer. They've sort of come untangled, the police officers ran down towards us. I can remember he hit the floor five, three metres away. We're on one side of the road, he's at the other side. 
and he slid along the floor. This geezer's uh, with the knives, he's just standing at the top of the road, like walking down. Another guy has walked from behind me here, all in black. He pulled out a gun. Bang, bang, bang. In the guy's chest, the guy's dropped on the floor. It's going in slow motion now. My, one of my trainers, Tony Davis, has jumped over, tried to resus the police officer. Then we got ushered back into this hall. Doors are closed. What the hell have we just seen? What's going on? Everyone's got on the phone. This hall's closed. Everyone's crying. There's been like 12 people run over on the bridge. It's a terror attack. Now we're stuck inside the House of Parliaments. There's a terror attack going on here. I don't know if it's over with. I don't know if it's going on now. I'm on the phone quick to my mum, 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 mum. What's the, I'm on, I've been in a terror attack. What are you on about? Get the news on. She's got the news on. She's worrying. And then next thing, everyone's phone's gone down. I don't know if there's a blocker in there or what, but obviously they realise that then there's people coming in with these big guns and snipers everywhere. Everyone's on the floor. People are screaming. The school school trips, school kids screaming. We're locked in there for like eight, nine hours. Mad, mad. What a like crazy day. How how'd you get over an event like that because it's so out of context it's so such a surprise right you can't expect that how'd you get over you witnessed somebody two people get killed we boxed the next day we fought the day after we got asked if we want to still fight or not everyone said yeah and the only thing I can put it down to now as you get older in life you proper do wise up because at the time at the time like I said I didn't have much care for nothing do you know what I mean I just wanted to box get money enjoy my life you know, at that time there, just it was just about enjoying myself. But now, like I say, now now I'm a bit older, a bit wiser. I've got two kids. That geezer that fell in front of me, he had, he had kids. He had a wife. You know, he died in front of me. He had a wife. This this idiot terrorist. He just he's just a bad breed of person. Like, how did I get over it? I don't know. I think I think it just went to the back of my mind. It's only now. It's a bit more damaging than it was at the time. Because you know, at the time. So I think you just like look. You feel lucky that you're there and you're okay. Do you know what I mean? Like we're all a bit naive. I think we're all a bit naive. You know, in the world, like sometimes you think about yourself. I'm not saying it's the, it's a bad thing because sometimes you gotta think of yourself. But you know, now like when you open, you really open your eyes and look around you. There's some crazy things that go on, and I was there. It was horrible, man. The, the world is a, a wild place, isn't it? It shows you how fragile life is sometimes. Well, man, look, I'm 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 so excited for everything that's going to happen in your boxing career. I know you're back, like, loose to get back into training now, and hopefully be, you know, sparring and, and and everything soon, and hopefully getting your next fight soon. Something else I'm really interested to hear about. It's probably quite a rarity in sport. I don't think people often do this, at least while they're still competing. But you're getting into doing more punditry and presenting. I had Johnny Nelson on the on the podcast who. I hear he's like somewhat of an unofficial mentor for you and he's giving you a little bit of guidance. Where do you see that side of your life going? Yeah, unofficial as in, he probably don't even know it, but every time I'm around Johnny, and pe people actually laughed at me the other day, once again, people were taking the piss saying, I, I said something in an interview on Sky and the headline was, I inspired to be like Johnny Nelson. People with small minds won't understand that. Johnny Nelson was a world champion. He still holds the record for the longest reigning cruiserweight world champion. He's since worked in boxing for 20 years. Now, to the uneducated people out there that don't have a clue of what goes on in boxing, boxing is a short earning, it's a short window to earn money. Now, 
if you look at the numbers of boxers that have been pro and probably been world champions and now have nothing or work on a building site or scrimp and scrape, it's massive. Johnny Nelson is a pure success story for me. He's from Sheffield. He was in the Winkerbank gym. I imagine, I, I don't know his upbringing, but I imagine he didn't have much, you know, just from knowing. I don't I imagine he wasn't tough. like, I thought, imagine it was tough, tough, rough play, Sheffield. And he's now been a world champion. So he's earned money in his boxing career. And 20 years later, he's still getting paid from boxing. Now, that is a small handful of people. And I don't care if people want to take the piss or what. I want to be one of them people. I know how hard this sport is. And like I say, I see people, I see a lot better fighters than me aren't earning money now. And then have not got enough money to survive now. So I will 100% take the Johnny Nelson route. I enjoy talking about boxing. Boxing is something I love. I'm trying to get better at it because, like I say, I think for a long time, boxing has been the only thing in my life which I concentrated on. This punditry work with Sky has given me the opportunity to try something new and learn a new skill. You know, I think I've been all right in this podcast, but anyone will tell you, when I talk normally, I have a bit of a, um, I talk fast. I have a bit of a stutter sometimes and a bit of a mumble. So I'm trying to, better myself in that way by doing the commentary and learning to speak properly better vocabulary a few bigger words uh present myself well and i, I enjoy doing it so honestly yeah. what the problem is with wanting to be like johnny nelson like i say he's he's a success story who's still earning a living now from boxing and he retired 20 years ago that doesn't happen very often now nah, listen mate you come across so well I, I can only see positive things coming from that and and articulate yourself really really well so yeah, John is an interesting one, you know, for anyone who can be as successful in the first career that they do, which again, you know, again for him was boxing and as you said, long, longest holding cruiserweight ever still. And now he's probably more recognised as a pundit, right? That's an amazing achievement. So Unbelievable. Like I say, it's, it's, only, it's only the small-minded people that will say that, like, I don't think people understand. People think you become a professional boxer, you're, an you're an overnight millionaire. You're on the TV, you're over a millionaire. It doesn't work like that. You have to work for every penny you're going to earn. And then you got to make that money last a lifetime. So you have to invest well. You have to uh, do what you can with what you get. And some people aren't going to get a lot. Mm. That's, that's the reality of it. The reality of it is you do a lot, you train your socks off, you work hard, you fight hard. These promoters don't want to pay you the money, they want the money for themselves. And that's, that's the truth of it. That's interesting as well. Maybe that's part of, you know, when you get to the top, you keep going. Maybe that's part of what's in your mind. You know, we were talking about that earlier. Earn as much money as you can. I, in the dream, I want to earn enough money for my life. I want to earn enough money for my kids' life, their kids' life and their kids' life. It's doable. I know it's doable because the money's there. I've seen it. I see it firsthand. I train with a, I train with a man that, that can do that, can pay for his next probably five generations of family. Generational wealth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. And, and if, if that's not what your aim is, to look after your family, then you're doing something wrong because it has to be your aim. It has to be. There's a guy called Ed Milet who's a you know big coach in the US. I flew over to do a podcast with him years ago, early days in this podcast. And he says, someone in your family can change the mold. Why not let it be you? You know, otherwise it's going to keep going the same way. Like, let you be the one who changes that. So. I'm going to use that one. I'm yeah. going to use that one. Yeah, it's great. That's going to be an Instagram caption. Though. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Well, mate, talking of Instagram captions, <laughs> what a great little transition. I held on to this one, mate. It's one from a long time ago. It's one from the Olympics, actually, when you, it's the picture of your cut on your head. And the, the caption was a quote, 
Of every 100 men, 10 shouldn't even be there. 80 are nothing but targets. Nine are real fighters, and we're lucky to have them, for they make the battle. But one, one of them is a warrior, and he'll bring the others back. Uh, talk to me about that quote, mate, because that's amazing. That, that, that was. In the Olympics, obviously you have that much downtime. I read it somewhere in Tokyo. I read it somewhere in Tokyo. So I, I I couldn't remember exactly what it said. I got back, so I googled, you know, uh, quotes about warriors, and it came up first. The first one that came up, and I just felt like being the captain out there, it just fitted so well. And like I say, it might have gone over a few people's heads, but I wanted to be the one. I di I didn't get a gold medal, which I wanted. I was battered. I was bleeding. Well, I got I got I got a bronze medal, you know. I'm super duper proud of that as well. People knew what went into that. I can't explain it, and people are going, "Oh, he lives off the Olympics." I live off. The, I will live off the Olympics. It was everything I put into that. I'm telling you now. But like I said, I was bleeding bad. My head was painful. My hands were hurting. My ribs were hurting. But I had a smile on my face. I looked around me. My best friend Galah was had won the gold medal. Ben had won, won, won his silver medal. The girls were doing well. The, these this people, this GB team were like my family. I looked around and there was a lot of smiles. We had the best team in years. Some people didn't quite get what they came for, but, you know, they did so well, the whole team. I just felt like, you know, as the captain, I always say, you know, I've said this a few times since, that, that picture, is it the one where I'm bleeding with my hands up like this? Is that the one? That was... The, my best moment in the boxing ring was a defeat. That's weird, isn't it? Out of all the victories I had, losing in the Olympic Games, looking up at that balcony and seeing 15 faces that have been with me on an unbelievable journey, teammates and staff, bleeding. I didn't get my hand raised. The guy behind me was celebrating and I had, I had 15 Britons going absolutely, because it, it was COVID, there's no one in there. 15 Britons going crazy for me. And it's a, a proper emotional moment it was. It was absolutely beautiful. Live with me forever. Amazing, man. Phrase, thanks. I got, I got two more. Two more. Quick fire. If you had to offer every single listener one habit they should undertake each day, what habit would that be? Some form of exercise. <laughs> and whether that's a walk, a home workout, going to the gym, I think exercise, I think it, exercise the body exercise the mind be out in the fresh air yeah so I'm going to say exercise oh, mate. perfect last one if you were to take yourself back to a particularly challenging moment it could be any time right a difficult period in your life and there's two versions of yourself the one who sits opposite me now and has achieved all the things that you've done and then there's another version who just doesn't do any of those things what's the difference between the two phrases This Fraser has a heart, a big heart, a very big heart. He has a conscience. When I was younger and I was a lad, a proper lad, I probably didn't care about anyone else's feelings and didn't worry about anyone's feelings apart from my own. So I think hmm, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. Well, probably, yeah, probably that. Probably, yeah, I'd say totally that. What, think more about other people? You mean, think more about other people's feelings because at times, you know, we can do things, we can act on impulse and decision-making 
can sometimes be off. But I wish I, I wish in my life, I wish sometimes I just give myself a second, step back, have a think about what I'm doing, and think about the effect it'll have on other people. Mate, that's amazing. First time we've had that to that answer, mate. I really appreciate it. it sounds like you, you, that came from the heart as well. Yeah, proper, proper. Yeah, phrase, man. No worries, man. Been appreciate it, man. It's been good. Thanks so much. No worries, All man. Right. Cheers, cool. Mate. You have reached your destination. Hey, it's Mark Whittle. Thanks so much for watching or listening. It's so great to have you a part of the Take Flight movement. Subscribe to the podcast on all platforms, video and audio, to be the first to see new episodes and new conversations with the greatest minds in the world. Follow me at markwittle underscore TF on all social platforms and visit takeflightworld.com to join our growing community of hustlers, performers and go-getters. I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, stay positive, stay motivated and of course, take flight.